Welcome to the All for Inclusion podcast. This is the place where the conversation starts. You will hear plenty of stories on how disability has impacted people from school through to work, the struggles they have faced and how they've overcome them. There will be lots of tips on how businesses, society and people can become more inclusive. Here's your host, Scott Whitney. Hi, so on this week's episode of the Awful Inclusion Pod, I am joined by a number of people who have uh, a condition called FND, Functional Neurological Disorder, and I'll be speaking with um, three different sets of people throughout this podcast. Um, but to start with, I am joined by Rebecca and Rosie. Um, Rebecca, do you mind just uh, introducing yourselves, if that's okay, please? Sure. Hi, um, Scott. Thanks ever so much for inviting me to be part of this today. Um, so I'm Rebecca, and I live in Southampton, and I've got functional neurological disorder. Excellent. Thank you. And Rosie, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name's Rosie. Um, I'm Rebecca's daughter um, and I don't have FND, but obviously I've seen all the effects that it has on my mum and, you know, how it looks living with functional neurological disorder. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I think that's um, it's very important, actually, that you're on here because it's a different aspect. You, you look at things differently. And uh, and I think that will help explain things to uh, to the people listening today. So, um, Rebecca, I guess the thir- first thing to ask is um, what is functional neurological disorder? OK, well, I'll do my best to explain it. Um, so it's um, it's a functional issue. So it basically means there is no kind of disease or anything going on in in my brain. Um but it's more about the way that my brain operates. So some people think about it as a, if it was a computer, it's not a hardware problem, but it's a problem with software. So it's a, it's a problem with where, how the neural pathways um, connect. Sometimes they go a bit kind of haywire. <laughs> and my brain and body does some strange things. <laughs> um, and uh, in terms of it's functional neurological disorder, so the symptoms that come out very much appear as neurological symptoms. So um, it's, um, in my case, it can look very similar to me being a stroke patient or um, somebody with epilepsy. There's quite, you know, there's similarities in terms of what it might look like to the outside person. Okay, thank you. And that's um, that's a very good uh, sort of definition as of functional neurological disorder. I've... Um, I've sometimes uh, said it's almost like it's a house where you've got the electrics wired, but the light switch still won't turn on. There's one, there's there's something that's not there, but the wires are are right, and it's something that's causing something. So yours is definitely a better explanation than mine. No, um, I think people have different explanations, and certainly, I mean, for some people with FND, it might mean that they can't walk or they can't use certain muscles at all. And in my case, I can do those things, but it comes and goes. So I might look absolutely perfectly normal, whatever normal is, um, 
uh, one day or one hour and then the next you know the next minute I'm not able to walk uh, my posture I can't stand up straight I'll be shaking uh, cr- crying and my speech goes gobbledygook but it's very kind of up and down I suppose um, and I think that can be quite confusing to people because they're kind of um, yeah not necessarily understand why um, you know you say you're not feeling you haven't been very well but you look absolutely fine at that moment um because it can come on really quickly yeah yeah so um how long did it take you from you know your first symptoms to uh, to being diagnosed um i think i mean i was diagnosed with something uh, very quickly because it was very clear that something um had happened to my to, to me um because I was sort of, the, the first time it happened I was kind of rushed into hospital um blue lighted to hospital thinking that I might be having a stroke um but I think the words functional neurological disorder didn't come up for a few months um it's yeah it's not something that the doctors initially told me um and it was only when I um, finally got to see a neurologist that um, the neurologist, yes, did diagnose that. And then that was confirmed when I later saw an FND specialist. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, took, that took a few months. Okay. And how long have you been living with FND? Uh, since 2018. Since um, 2018. Okay. It came on very quickly, but I think there were probably glimmers of FND symptoms um, at other points in my life and, you know, when I was a child and and. And more recently so um, but it came on yeah it seemed at the time to come on very suddenly um, in 2000 so so Rosie you would have seen all the all the symptoms um, before the diagnosis came in um, yeah. you know I mean how did that that feel for for yourself when you know obviously being a being a teenager when this is uh, when this is happening um terrifying (laughs) um it was almost an overnight thing for me to just kind of uh I woke up and went into my mum's room and yeah she was just it yeah like she said she looked like she was having a stroke and it was you know it wasn't a gradual kind of getting worse and worse it was just overnight suddenly I kind of had a new mum in a way so yeah it was really scary but um you know over the years we've come to accept it and obviously understand it and yeah yeah excellent and 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 Rebecca how has it sort of impacted you work-wise um it's it's had a massive effect on my work actually um I'm actually I've I've been signed off sixth the last year um because I kept trying to work going back to work gradually building up my hours um I mean I was part time before but um, then I would go back and I'd start off with a few hours a week and then build up to 10 hours a week and then I could do that for a, um, maybe a, a few months and then I would have another kind of crisis really and and and, and have to have time off um, so then yeah a year ago I talked to my doctor I'd, at that point I'd gone I'd never had this before but I was having to use a mobility scooter um, to get around because my walking was so bad and uh, um the doctor and I agreed that it just would be good to have a whole, you know, decent chunk of time off to see if I could um, put things into place in my life to try and um, try and recover my brain. Um, 
well that was my perception I don't know he, he might say something different but um yeah it and it's been really good because it's been giving me a chance to try lots of different kind of um relaxation techniques and um all sorts of different things to try and kind of manage myself better unfortunately it hasn't made the fnd go away <laughs> but i do feel more com- comfortable with it now i suppose hmm. i guess it's something that you know i used the words earlier live with and it's something that you, you you've got to find a way to 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 learn to to live with um as opposed to to find a cure yeah definitely i think um I mean, I'm quite sad about it because when I go back, I won't go back to the same kind of role, I don't think, because um, I was doing a lot of kind of uh, face to face and sort of social interaction in my job. And I love people. I love, you know, love talking to people, meeting new people, going to new places. But I just think that that is too tiring. So as though I want to do those things and on a good day I can do those things, it's just too tiring. So I think I'm going to have to go back to a different type of work and that's quite difficult because you know I'm at my, um, uh, in my late 40s and you know to feel like your career is not you know well I, sometimes I think oh I should just retire <laughs> you know because I can't cope with work very well but I'm determined to find some kind of work that I can cope with so, mm. yeah <laughs> so what what is it I mean I, I you know I'm, I'm, I should have maybe asked this at the start of it but what is it that you uh, that you do so I've been um, working as a community worker in Southampton and I work for a number of organisations, um, um, charities and a um, community interest company. I do little bits and bobs of lots of work around community activity and I'm really um, encouraging people to talk about kind of their health experiences and how they connect with our city as well um, around kind of health and how we live a more um sustainable life as well you know thinking about things like climate change and ecological breakdown so encouraging people to have conversations about all of these kind of issues so I think that's what really appealed to me to come and talk to you today because I'm really I think everybody should be talking about what um what a healthy life is for them and, and what can be done by the uh the pl- people and places around them to make sure everyone can live the best life uh, the best life possible yeah and you know i know when i when i became ill um initially i didn't and i don't know if you if you was the same i wasn't too keen on letting people know i mean we said earlier i mean i live away from from a lot of my family and friends but i didn't tell them i mean what what did you do initially was you did you did you reach out to people or I did reach out uh, and I was really lucky actually I mean I'm quite a sort of I'm not I couldn't tell a lie anyway I'm not I'm not not suggesting other people do but I'm not very good at hiding things because I kind of just say things as it is um but I think what I found is because my symptoms were so visible you know if you saw me when I was when I'm having an episode you might yeah you might think I was in the throes of a stroke you might think that I had a, a quite a serious learning disability. Um, and at this stage, I mean, I had a, a daughter. I've got another I've got another two children as well as Rosie. And I was absolutely adamant that I wanted to still be able to walk my daughter, my younger daughter to school, because I think that for me, that was an important part of being a parent. Mm. And um, and I thought I just got to tell people because if I don't. They will 
they'll wonder what on earth is going on. And I had to tell people, really. So, yeah, I was quite open about it from the start. And I think that's been really helpful um, because um, people just know it's not. And even now I have to I say to, I give people very clear instructions about what to do if I have an episode in front of them because yeah. it's quite easy for them to do the wrong thing or things that don't actually help me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, and I was lucky because I've been kind of um, active, I suppose I've been active in the community and encourage people to talk openly about their issues. So it didn't feel uncomfortable for me to do the same. Um, yeah, so I think that, and that for me, that's been a real protective characteristic as well in terms of, being open because yeah we can have a laugh about it we can um and I st- and I feel like I've got very supportive well I have got very supportive family and friends kind of maybe as a result of me being able to say this is what I need please can you help me um, mm. I, I like I said I think the only reason why I kept it to myself was because I was so far away from people they didn't you know, I wouldn't bump into someone or they wouldn't ah. miss me walking down the street. So completely, uh, completely different. So, um, so what's it like at, at home then, Rosie? Um, is it, has things changed dramatically over the, the past four years? Yeah, I would say so. Um, because mum has obviously, you know, she had a job and whatever, but since we were, um, almost born um, she's been a stay-at-home mum so she's kind of you know done a lot of things at home and she's always been you know dad went off to work and she would come and look after us and I think yeah it's it's very different now because now we have to kind of support her as well as her supporting us but um, yeah I think you know there's lots of things um say for example a family walk or something we um might have to kind of base you know focus on her needs and think you know it does it does change things but mum is a very very adamant to keep life going and you know to keep a very normal life so you know there are some some hurdles but we definitely you know we keep going and (laughs) Yeah. yeah keep positive I think it was really hard for her that especially the Rosie and her brother because the younger one could you know I think was able to adapt mm. uh, maybe easy more easily because she was y- younger but if you're a teenager and your mum suddenly goes weird that's really embarrassing would you say it's really yeah embarrassing? I think I think one of the things is that when someone close to you has a health condition a lot of the time it's kind of assumed that you understand that completely and that you just get it and you know how exactly how to cope in every single situation not you know that's not at all the case for a lot of people and um certain things like one of mum's symptoms is she might cry and when someone cries obviously your automatic response is to go and comfort them and care for them and for her that actually can be more of a trigger so it's just learning all these different you know it takes a lot and I'm still learning now but I think yeah it's um it's difficult and it's it's a struggle but you know it's a it's yeah we've learned a lot of lessons from it and I think it's uh yeah (laughs) yeah the thing I can tell is that it sounds like you're all in it together 
and yeah. and that's really really great to to hear and i think that you know i'm sure that's a great um sort of uplifting power for yourself rebecca yeah absolutely um i've got a really supportive family and you know this sort of wider friendship um network and yeah feeling all in it together is absolutely essential i think i think there could be a lot more focus on what your quality of life is like with the health condition because often it's the focus on the symptoms and of course it's important that we all do everything that we can to keep our symptoms at bay um but it's also about how you know how we live with those symptoms and what our quality of life is and um i think we could do a lot more around that yeah there's there's a lot more that that needs to be done and i think it starts with um with people understanding uh understanding things um and you know i i've spoken to my gp about fnd and and he doesn't know much about it other than it's something to point to the to the neurologist um so you know if your gp doesn't have a great understanding then the wider public aren't going to either and and this is where hopefully conversations like this will help kick that off it was really good actually to see that um, there was a article in the British Medical Journal recently about um, uh, about FND and uh, sharing a lot more information sort of based on all of the kind of studies that have been done about FND. So there is a lot more um, uh, information out there available to GPs. But I think I think most GPs still probably don't if they have heard of it, um, they don't know where patients can go to for support um and they're not you know and then obviously the nhs services around fnd are really really limited it's Mm. really hard to get um the support that you need yeah Um, it's um you know there's there's very few in the in the country isn't there so it does make it it make it harder um one question which i want to ask um both of you um so answer it separately um Rebecca, when you're, if you're in pain or, or something's, uh, you, you're having one of one of your episodes, um, do you think it's harder for you being in the episode, or for, let's say, Rosie watching you in the episode? Well, that's interesting, actually, because um, I, I mean, I think with your children, you do become really aware of the impact on them um so I mean for me when I'm having an episode I can't I know what's going on and I know how to I now know how to kind of calm it all down might not make it go away but I can calm it down and sort of live with that episode um I think it's it's definitely really hard for the children because they you know they're not in your head or or anyone around you they're not in your head and actually, in, in preparation for talking to you today, I asked a few people what uh, um, what they thought about, um, you know, people that supported me through episodes. And I hadn't actually realised, I feel a bit um, stupid for this, but I hadn't realised how much pe- people were quite affected by me having an episode. So mm-hmm. people would say it was, it's been really helpful that you have told us that you don't need medical help when this happens because it does look like that 
we'd have to call an ambulance. Mm. And, um, you know, if if I hadn't been able to be open about that, I think the ambulance would have been called many, many times. Yeah. And, and there's nothing that the, the, uh, the paramedics can do. Um, in my case, I'm not saying that's not the same for other people, but in my case, there isn't. I, I just need to rest and give my brain a chance to rest or um, deviate um, just so it relaxes so that the neural pathways can, can reconnect again. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. And what, and, what, and what do you, what do you think on that, Rosie? Um, I think it's, it's, it's difficult because obviously I don't know, I can see the physical symptoms, but I don't know how it feels as, you know, as mum and, how she's feeling in that moment um and obviously I think you know it affects her in such a way that you know it's can be make her week really difficult or you know make the day really difficult but I think yeah I think for especially us as children me and my siblings I think um obviously seeing your mum in any state no matter how many times you've seen it happen can be quite you know, it is a big thing. Um, and yeah, I think just definitely, you know, obviously I worry about mum when it happens. But yeah, I think, you know, it's for her, it's a, it's a lot bigger than for us, obviously. Um, yeah, I think sometimes the symptoms move, change over time. I don't know if other people find this, I imagine that they do. But one of the things that's happened a lot in the last year has been my speech has been affected. And that means that I've I found that quite difficult in terms of um, because I might have a tick and I might swear sometimes or mm. talk absolute nonsense. And um, and sometimes certainly with my younger daughter, you know, she would come in the room and I might swear at her. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's only um, 11 and I might say some really rude things to her. I mean, luckily she, she understands it and we laugh about it. Yeah. But you know, when you're, when you're attaching a, um a swear word to your 11 year old daughter's name that I find really difficult yeah and you know I mean I have found ways of kind of trying to train my brain to I mean I used to say friggin frogs quite a lot as a way of you know redirecting it yeah imagine the words that I was using but when you're actually saying that directly to your to your daughter and you I'm feeling quite emotional now actually and I found that 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 really difficult because yeah no no child should have to put up with that should they no no and 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 luckily you know like we've said a a few times in this podcast you've got a really supportive family so um so at least and you you said that your daughter's got that understanding but uh but yeah i i can understand that being very very hard um people who don't have a supportive family uh you know, because not everyone is as lucky. Um, but, th- you know, just just look to your wider community as well, because there will be people on your street, and in your friendship group. Or, or I mean, I, the kindness of strangers is, can be absolutely unbelievable if you're able to communicate with people. So I'm feeling a bit, you know, vulnerable or a bit, um, my brain isn't working very well. And if you can just explain to the shopkeeper or whatever, and you, the amount of kindness I've got from people is overwhelming. Mm. Um, so I think you can get support from all sorts of different places. Um, 
if you can just find a way of being able to communicate and ask for support. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So if you can um, leave us then with, with one tip, what would that be? Hmm. I've got a whole list of tips. <laughs> but if you want one, I well, would say, <laughs> well, as well as what you're doing, which is getting people to talk openly and, and sort of empathy and understanding around kind of health issues, um, I think we need to understand a lot more about supporting people to kind of relax and rest in our communities. So, you know, I think in school there should be opportunities, you know, young people should, um, colleges and universities should be learning about relaxation techniques and uh, opportunities to do yoga and things like that, or just given, given access to all these different things that they can choose what works for them. And I think in terms of rest, we need better. We need a lot more benches in our in our towns and cities and countryside and places where people are allowed just to kind of gather themselves up and you know and then be able to kind of um, move on once they've had a little rest. I think that would make a massive difference. Yeah, no, that does sound uh, that does sound great. So thank you both very much for joining me today. And um, and and actually, it would be great if we could have another conversation at some point. Um, because I think that that you've got some uh, a wealth of knowledge there that you can share with people. So I would, if, uh, if you'd be happy to uh, to have another chat at another at another time. Really happy. Um, that'd be great. And would you mind if um, sharing some resources of where people can go to find out more about FND or um, where to go for support about FND via your um, Twitter or wherever you like to share your information. Yeah, of of course, I'll continue to do that. And what I'll do is I'll make sure there's um, there's there's a there's a lot of resources when this episode comes out as well, so yeah. people can uh, can listen to it and immediately click a link. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thanks ever so much. You've been wonderful. Really <laughs> nice. You. to Thank you for listening to the All for Inclusion podcast. We'd love you to subscribe and to help other podcast listeners find us more easily. Please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And of course, feel free to pass the pod by sharing it with your family and friends. Remember, the podcast is available every Wednesday and keep an eye out for additional bonus episodes. See you next time on the All for Inclusion podcast.